Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's been great to uh, get to know Angie and Hazel uh, more and more over this last year or so. And uh, thrilled to see all that God is doing uh, in the church there in Horsham uh, and increasingly other places they travel to serve. Uh, so, uh, Andy, it's so great to have you uh, and Hazel with us and, and the team. But let's welcome Andy as he comes to share this morning. Wonderful. Wow, it's so good. Um, to be with you and bring greetings from uh, a church in Horsham and uh, we're, we're just having so much fun. I'm not even sure it's legal, the amount of fun that we're having. Who knew that church was supposed to be fun? Um, but it's a, a, a brand new revelation for many of us. Uh, certainly if you've been in leadership, let me tell you, church is supposed to be fun um, and uh, we're finding it increasingly so. So it's, uh, it's great to be there. For those of you who don't know me, um, I am from uh, Horsham, as Graham has said, and I have the privilege of leading our eldership team down there. Um, it's, a, it's a fun and vibrant church and I'm here with Hazel, my long-suffering wife, um, and uh, we have two boys, Tom and Eddie, uh, 21 and 19, and uh, both loving Jesus and uh, doing the gospel with their hair on fire. It's great, um, just wonderful fun uh, to be around with them. They're all still at home, um, which you know has its ups and downs, uh, but it's great. I, the, the fridge is always empty and my beer is always gone. Um, but uh, it's great having them around with us, and uh, it's just good to be here. As I say, uh, Joss is one of the elders with me um, at at King's Church, and it's such a blessing uh, to have someone that, that talented and just able to kind of host the presence of God as he, as he leads worship. It's just wonderful, and I'm sure you'll get to know the rest of the team as they share. Um, we've, we work very much in team, and um, because we believe that actually we're called to be image bearers together, aren't we, T- together? And as I kind of look at, at the scriptures and, and see how God created Adam and Eve together, he, he made them both created in his image and um it's interesting how he did that because we, we, we just look so different, we behave so different, we think so different as men and women, yet he said that he created us together in his image. And um, that's why I think it's important that we, we just love the whole concept of marriage and husband and wife ministering together. That's why Hazel comes with me. That's why we minister together. That's why I believe in team is because that actually together we more fully represent the image of God. You see, God never intended us to represent his image on our own. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And uh, actually, that's part of the way we represent the image of God together. You see, if it's just me, you'll get a caricature of God. You know what a caricature is, right? You, you know who it is. It's just that certain features are overemphasized. And so if it's just me, you're always going to get an image of God with certain features overemphasized because that's the gift and the features that God's given me. And so if it's just me, then you're going to get a caricature of God. And that's why I believe it's important that husband and wife, we minister together, because together we represent fully the image of God. But it's not just limited to married people. Actually, God's given us the church who is his bride together. And actually, as we, as we represent him together, it is the fullest image 
of God that we can represent to the world. And so that's why we, we love church. We love married people, single people, uh, you know, divorced people, married people, widows, single folk, young, old, black, white. It's when together we represent fully the image of God. So when he said he created man and woman in his image, it's then together when we do that in team, whether that's a team marriage or a team church, that it's in that context that we best represent the image of God to the world. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with a caricature. And that's why I always travel with a team, in case you were wondering, but thanks for asking. Um, so, so that is kind of why, why we work like that. It's so important. And I want to really encourage you to understand that, that it's actually men and women together. Um, equal partners co-laboring together. It's so, so important. So as I say, that's why I always travel with team. But that wasn't what I've come uh, to speak with you uh, primarily about today. I want to speak particularly this morning about the favour of heaven and look at how we receive that, how we grow in that, and more importantly, how we release it. Now, the favour of heaven is not something that we would speak very much about. I've certainly never spoken about it before. And it's been something that the Holy Spirit has been intriguing me with over recent weeks. And um, just to let you know that today is the first time I've heard this sermon publicly as well. Okay, now, now the team here will be sighing a sigh of relief that actually this is the first time that they will have heard this sermon as well. Um, getting to travel with me isn't always as good as it seems sometimes. I was actually with Dave Fellingham, uh, many of you will know from kind of the history of New Frontiers, and he's in our church and often travels with me. And I was at um, uh, a meeting with about 100, 120 leaders, um, and I was about to speak. And just before I got up, Dave said to me, what are you going to speak on? And I told him, and he said, oh, it's just like being back in the old days with Terry. And I suddenly thought, wow, my goodness, Dave is likening me to Terry. I was thinking just what amazing communicator he was, how his biblical knowledge is born. I was thinking, Dave, you have no idea what you said. So me being me sort of pushed for a little bit more. I said, what, what do you mean, Dave? And he said, when I went with him, I had to listen to the same sermon over and over again. <laughs> So it wasn't quite what I was kind of angling for, um, but nonetheless put me in my place quite quickly. Um, so this one's fresh out of the box. But what I want to share with you really is, is that actually the biggest turning point in my life in recent years, apart from you know becoming a Christian and being baptised in the Spirit, um, has been my adoption as a son, knowing who I am as a son of God. And I became a, a Christian uh, at the age of 12. I was baptized in the Spirit um, at uh, age 16. And yet I, I've had for the last 35 years no real concept of what that meant to me, really. I mean, I knew that my debt was paid. I knew that I got to go to heaven when I died. But that was about it. Between kind of uh, where I am now and that point of dying, I thought I just had to do the best I could. Live a good Christian life, be a good husband, a good father, uh, you know, serve in the church as best I could. Just be nice, you know, Christian nice. I could do that. And then one day when I die, I get to go to heaven. And that really all changed for me kind of three or four years ago when I heard someone say this. 
They said, Father's primary purpose in sending Jesus was not the remission of sins, but the adoption of sons. And you have no idea how offended I got when I heard that. I was so offended. If I'd been close enough to the guy saying it, I'd have punched him right in the face. Um, I was so annoyed because this is what is heretical. Of course, Father's purpose in sending Jesus was the remittance of sins. Of course it was. It's the central point of, um, of the Bible. My theology was so offended. I was offended. My emotions were bubbling away, as I say, almost to the point of anger. However, in that moment, the Holy Spirit invaded my heart. In that moment, my what was offense turned really my whole world upside down in that, in that moment. And I've never been the same since. And a revelation came to me that broke and just melted my heart. It just changed my thinking. You see, suddenly I understood that it was for love that Father God sent Jesus to die. Not simply so my sins could be forgiven, but so the relationship that he wanted for me could be restored. And so my sins had to be forgiven in order for that to happen. So, of course, Jesus came to die for my sin. He had to. But the purpose was not that my sins would be forgiven. The purpose would be that I'd be restored into relationship with my father. And my sins being forgiven were just a necessary part of that process. And that's why the cross is so central to all we believe. But remember, it is central. It's a middle point that you go past. Now, we never get past the cross in the sense that without it, we can never be forgiven. But actually, there's more to what the Father has called us to than simply knowing our sins are forgiven. He's called us to deep, deep relationship with him. And I, I suddenly began to understand that, that, that Jesus' act on the cross was to, to restore to us what Adam had lost. And my friend, good friend Julian Adams said this. You and I were in Christ long before we were in Adam. Okay, we do seem to major quite a lot of that we are in Adam. But actually we were in Christ long before we were in Adam. The Bible says that I was in him before the creation of the world. So I can only be in Adam since the creation of the world. And so I just think that is an astounding truth that I was in Christ long before I was in Adam. So Jesus' redemptive work on the cross was to put things back the way they were, the way they were intended by God, even before he created the world. That was Jesus' purpose. And Father's plan was always for relationship to be restored. That relationship that he created Adam and Eve to enjoy with him is to be restored. And the entire narrative of the Bible is of a loving father pursuing the return and the restoration of his children. That's the entire narrative of the Bible. And as that narrative comes and climaxes in the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, it was for your redemption. Now, redemption means to regain possession of something in exchange for payment. To regain possession of something. Not to get possession of something. It's to regain. And so we have been redeemed in order that Father can regain what was already his. And he's paid a price for something that was already his. 
So he regained you in exchange for payment. So the price that Jesus paid was not only to remove your sin, and you need to understand that your sins have not just been overlooked because of the cross. Father does not, because of Jesus, just turned a blind eye to your sin. They're not just passed over, they are completely removed. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. They're not just overlooked, they are removed. And that Passover story we know in the Bible where the wrath of God passed over the people of Israel because the spotless lamb that they had slaughtered, that they sacrificed for their sin, whose blood that they smeared over the doorposts of their houses, God came and he didn't just overlook them. But actually, their sins have been forgiven because of that spotless lamb that they'd sacrificed. And Jesus has become our spotless lamb who was sacrificed for us once and for all so that not only my sins could be forgiven, which they were, and weren't passed over, they were forgiven, but so I could be redeemed, purchased back to him. And he paid that price. And, and, and the Bible says that we've been adopted back into what was my rightful place all along. And I think that's so key. It's not the kind of adoption that we think of today. Adoption is when you, you take a child into your family that was never yours and you make them yours. See, we've been adopted a son by a father. We were, we've always been a son and a daughter. We were in Christ before the creation of the world. And he has now adopted us back in. We, we were already his And we went astray, and now he's called us back in. It's not the adoption of a child he never knew, that he now knows. It's the adoption of a child that was always his. Brought back in again, into the family. And because of that, you are a son and you are a daughter. And because of that, there is favour on you. Just because of that. There is favour on you as a son and a daughter. Just as the angel came and said to Mary, you are highly favoured, so too are you as a son and a daughter. You are a recipient of favour just because. Just because. You are highly favoured just because you're a chosen son or a chosen daughter. Your father delights in you just because. He delights in you for no other reason than you are his. He favours you. And this favour is on you for no other reason than you're his. I'm just feeling a whole lot of Holy Spirit right now. Let's just wait on him for a minute. Hmm. Hmm. I just, I wonder if there's anyone, as I was saying that, as I was just saying, you are highly favoured. You just felt, not me. As I kind of talked about that sense of favour, you're thinking, you, you don't know what I've done. Or maybe you, you're thinking, you don't know what's been done to me. Maybe you just feel, I'm not, I I don't feel that worthy. I hear the words, 
but I don't think I'm favoured. Is that you? Now what I'm going to do, Holy Spirit's been teaching me some stuff and it's a biggie and I'm really cool if nobody stands, but one thing I've learned is, is that you need to want your breakthrough more than you want your dignity. And so if that's you, you want breakthrough in this area, you're thinking, I'm unworthy, I do not feel favoured. I don't feel favoured. I know I'm a Christian, but I don't feel favoured. If that's you, why don't you stand and I will pray for you. Well done. Well done. Well done. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Going once. Well done. Going twice. There's favour going to come. Well done. We know we've got a father that if we ask for bread, he won't give us a stone. There's favour going to come. Going once. Going twice. Okay, wonderful. I'm just going to pray. If you're nearby and you trust in Jesus, you love him, then I believe in the, the priesthood of all believers. So put your hands on them if you can, just, just so they know there's somebody there with a hand on them. And Father, we just, we just stand with our brothers and sisters right now. And we thank you that we are all highly favoured. Thank you that that is your word to them. You are my highly favoured daughter. You are my highly favoured son. And Father, I just ask, come by your spirit now. Release favour on these folk. Release a sense of knowing that they are favoured. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father just says, you're beautiful. Now, I know you guys might struggle with that a little bit. But we're the bride of Christ, guys, just as much as the girls. And he says, you're beautiful. I delight in you. When he sees you, he smiles. When he... When he sees you, his cheeks fill and get red as he delights in you. He becomes full of joy when he sees you. You are highly, highly favoured. I'm going to move on, but you just keep marinating in that. If you don't hear another word I say, that's really fine. Not you have a lot. I'm watching you a lot, but them Mm. God's good isn't he the the reason the reason that you are highly favoured is because of what the Bible calls propitiation what a word that is okay Um, and what does it even mean I know what kind of word is it um, and I'm glad you asked, because I went and looked it up, so I can tell you. Um, and I've been disappointed if you hadn't asked, to be honest, um, but thank you. Um, now, propitiation is a word that some translations take out of the Bible. It's true. 
Um, and it, because it's not an easy word for us to understand, it's not a word that kind of even features in our everyday language in any, any real way. Um, but it's important for us to understand because it actually explains Father's favour towards us. So Romans 3.23, I'm sure you're familiar with that verse, but through to 25 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Now, you've probably read that loads of times, but as I say, propitiation is a kind of weird word, and uh, you know, it's not easy for us to understand what it means because there's no context in which we would regularly use it. Um, but it is very important. Now, if you're an NIV reader, the normally imperfect version, um, if, you didn't know, if you didn't know what that stood for, um, you'll, you won't come across it because it's not there. It's replaced by sacrifice of atonement. So if we were to read Romans 3.25 in the NIV, it said, God presented him, that's Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, the sacrifice of atonement is okay. It's, it's, it's okay because it does describe part of what propitiation means, but it doesn't describe all of it. Um, of course, Jesus was the sacrifice for our sin. He was that sacrifice in atonement. I, I spoke earlier, didn't I, when I talked about, you know, the Passover lamb. So that was the sacrificing atonement for uh, the people of Israel. And Jesus clearly is our sacrificing um, atonement for us in our sin. It, it, but if we miss the word, we miss a really important element of Father's favor towards his children. And it's because Jesus is the propitiation of our sins that we know that Father's favour is towards us. So it wasn't simply that Jesus bore our sins, which he did. He was the sacrifice in atonement. But actually, the, what he did then meant Father's favour was towards us. Um, in a brilliant book called Scandalous by D.A. Carson, he says this, Propitiation is the act by which someone, in this case God, becomes propitious, that is, favourable. Propitiation is the sacrificial act by which someone becomes favourable. Alright? Now, as I say, it's not a word we'd use very often, if at all. But what we've got to consider is what would the people that, that, that the uh, Bible was written to, those letters, what would they have understood? So, uh, the Roman church, what the, would they have understood by that word? And you see it's like this. You see, in ancient paganism, propitiation worked like this. There were a lot of gods with various domains. So there was the god of the sea, um, the, the god of fertility, the god of speech, the god of war. There was loads of them. You know, and Paul references them, doesn't he, when he, he talks about the, the, the one where there was no name. But these gods were very kind of whimsical and bad-tempered. And so what we see is, is that um, your job then was to make them propitious, i.e. favourable, towards you. And so what would happen if you wanted to take a sea voyage, for example, you would make sure that the god of the sea, i.e. Neptune, was favourable towards you on your journey. And you would do that by offering a propitiation sacrifice in the hope that he would provide you safe passage. 
So the object of that propitiating sacrifice is that the God would be favourable towards you. And so that's the context that Paul was speaking into when he used the word propitiation, or the Greek equivalent of it. Okay, so what he was talking into was something they understood, and they knew that their process was was the fact that, you know, gods were angry towards them, and so you needed to make some kind of sacrifice to make them favorable towards you for your journey, in this case, on the sea. And so we need to understand that not only did Jesus die as a sacrifice to pay for my sin, not only was God's wrath satisfied with Jesus' death instead of mine, not only were my sins dealt with once and for all, and therefore I could be adopted as a son, but so too would God be propitious towards me, his favour towards me forever. And so that's why it's such an important word. It's not simply that my sins are forgiven. It means that once and for all, Jesus' sacrifice therefore makes God propitious towards me. He's constantly favorable towards me because of Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice. This is incredible news. I was bending my mind just thinking about it. You're getting this fresh out of the box. So this is like weeks old in my thinking. So the upside is, is you get to hear it first. The downside is it's not completely joined up in every place just yet. If you, if you want to come and travel with us, and these guys will testify to this, by the time I get to the end of the year, in the 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th time they heard it, it'll be brilliant. <laughs> but right now, you're getting it straight out of the box. But this is, this is amazing news. And this is the fact that not only can I stand forgiven, but I can stand knowing God is favourable towards me. He's good all the time. And he's favourable towards me all the time because of what Jesus has done. It's incredible. I, I, oh, I, can, oh, I can feel the glory. If we can get this, it will change everything. If we can really grab hold of this, it will change everything. Knowing that his favour is always towards me. It will change your prayer life because you can stop pleading. With God, because his favour is already towards you. You don't have to beg him for anything because he's a father who's, who's favourable towards you. We can simply ask. The Bible says we, we don't have because we don't ask. And the problem is, is that if we think of God as one of these sort of whimsical, angry gods, that we have to kind of come and make him propitious towards us by good works and being on our best behaviour and doing everything right, then no wonder we don't have a great expectation of what he's going to give to us. Because I don't know about you, but I, I, I rarely get everything right, according to Hazel. <laughs> and so, you know, not only do we, we understand that actually we, we've been saved by grace and not by works, I wonder how many of us really believe that we, uh, our works don't do anything after we're saved either. They don't make God more favourable towards you because Jesus was the propitiation for, for us. He was the one. His sacrifice was the thing that made God favourable towards us, not our works. I'm just saying. Get that one for free. So his favour is towards me. So I get that just because I'm a son. But there's also a sense that his favour towards me can grow. 
God loves us all equally, but favours us differently. It's true. He loves us all unconditionally, but favours us according to our calling, anointing, gifting and faithfulness. Now that can seem a little wrong when we think about it, but I believe it's absolutely true. And biblically I know it's true. So if we read in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 2.26, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and favour with the Lord, and also with man. Now I'm sure you're quickly running to a New Testament scripture, and at least I hope you are, otherwise I have to be having words with Graham. Luke 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Jesus. Jesus, a perfect son. He knew who he was. We know at age 12, he went to the temple and it was like, I'm in my father's house about my father's business. He knew he was a son. He knew he was. He perfectly understood that. So he understood that God's favor was towards him. Yet we read here that he grew in favor with God and man. He was the very fullness of understanding sonship. He was the very fullness of knowing who he was, yet he grew in favour with God and man. There was a season of growing in favour. So there's an amount of favour that we get just because, and there's favour that we can grow in. See, Jesus had a season of just doing the ordinary. We often see him as the, you know, the healing Jesus, the walking on water Jesus, the miracle working Jesus, but rarely as simply the ordinary working carpenter Jesus. He lived 30 years doing ordinary stuff and doing it well. And in fact, he did the ordinary, extraordinary well. And that was the part of the process in doing the ordinary well that meant he grew in favor with God and man. So we always fast forward to the supernatural. We always fast forward to the, 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 the quick power remedy to whatever it is that, that we're trying to work through. But actually, Jesus worked through a season of 30 years of just doing the ordinary really, really well. Now, he knew that his father couldn't love him any more than he did. But his favor, father's favor grew towards his son. It grew as Jesus did the ordinary really well. When he did the ordinary well, extraordinary well, in fact, he grew in favour with God, ready for when he was launched at his baptism and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the extraordinary, really extraordinarily well. And I think we miss that. If we want to do the extraordinary, then we need to just do the ordinary extraordinarily well and grow in favour with God and man. And it's both. You get a certain amount because you're just a son. And God's favor is towards you because he's a good, good father. But actually there's opportunity to grow in favor. Well, let me give you an example. I told you earlier that I've got two boys. And as they were growing up, we used to give them pocket money. It stopped when they were 16. I've decided they need to get a job and fund their own social life. But before then, we gave them pocket money. And the way that worked was we used to give them half up front. They got just because they're our sons and we love them. And so we gave them out, but it was just theirs because they're a son. Didn't matter whether they misbehaved all week or anything. That was just theirs because they're our sons. And the other half, 
they could earn by doing chores, putting the bins out, emptying the washing machine or the dishwasher or, or making, making their beds or whatever it was. There was an element that they could do in order to grow in favour with us so that they could increase their pocket money. So they had an amount of favour already because they were our sons and we gave them money and then they could grow in favour in order to increase that. Now, it's not a perfect example, but it's just that, that sense of there's, there's an amount of favour we get just because. And there's an opportunity for us to increase in favour. And I believe as we do the ordinary really well. And, and that's the point. You know, when the Bible says, whatever you do, do to the glory of God, that's what it means. It, it, it doesn't mean when you're up on the stage preaching a stormer, do that really well for the glory of God, although it does. It means actually when you're back home and stuff needs doing, do it well. When your neighbour's belly aching over the garden fence about your tree growing over his garden or whatever it is, actually we need to do that to the glory of God. Do the ordinary and the mundane extraordinarily well. When your boss is mistreating you and, you know, just being unfair, how do you grow in favour with God and with man? By doing the ordinary really well. And that's what I believe our calling is. Now, as we do the ordinary work extraordinarily well, when we're the best sleep-deprived, nappy-changing, baby-feeding mum we can be, when we're the best student we can be, when we're the best teacher we can be, the best boss we can be, when we do the ordinary stuff of life really well, then actually we increase in favour with God and with men. Now, Jesus grew in favour with both God and men Let me ask you, how about you? How are you doing? How are you living in the ordinary kind of mundane monotony of life? How are you doing? When you do those things, are you growing in favour with God and with men? Are you living the ordinary parts of your life in a way that causes you to grow in favour with both God and with men? Are you growing in favour with God and your boss? Are you growing in favour with God and your work colleagues? Are you growing in favour with God and your landlord? Are you growing in favour with God and your employees? Teachers, are you growing in favour with God and your students? Students, are you growing in favour with God and your teachers? Are you growing in favour with mums at the, the school gate or the mums and toddlers group? Are you growing in favour with God and the mums? See, you are highly favoured because of what Jesus has done because you're a son, but you also have the opportunity to grow in favour both with God and men. Are you living in a way that the ordinary, mundane, muck-walking, just ordinary bits of your life where you're growing in favour with God and men while you do that. Let's just wait again. I'm just kind of feeling, I don't know what I'm feeling, but we'll see. Let's just wait a minute. Daniel, look at me. Look, look up. Let's just wait. I just think there's moments sometimes when we talk about this that we kind of mar- march on from kind of one one point to the next and actually I think there's a moment for us to kind of just wait on God 
I just, I'm just kind of feeling around this whole thing of, of doing the ordinary well. I'm just sensing maybe that there's someone or someone's. Just something in your heart kind of snapped or kind of cracked, maybe. And you know that you're not doing the ordinary well. You're fine on a Sunday and you can do the thing. But actually in the ordinary, are you struggling? Maybe you're a student, something with a teacher. Maybe it's something at work. Um, I don't know. But that sense of are you growing in favour with God and with man, something's just, the Holy Spirit's just put his finger on something. If that's you, why don't you just stand kind of where you are? You just feel, hmm, okay, well done, well done. particularly kind of I'm just particularly it could be a guy I could be I could be wrong um, a man and I, I just that sense of you know you're increasing in favor with men um, but not necessarily with God so what you're doing is causing you much favor with men but you know it's not causing you much favor with God it's not that I think you're doing anything illegal or immoral or anything like that. I just think, actually, you know that the way you're going about it is, is to, just to grow in favour with, with men. If that's you, I know it's a big one to stand up for. but It could be a woman, but I kind of feel like it's a guy. I'm okay being wrong. Going once, going twice. Okay, well done, well done. That's a biggie, I know. Let's just wait a minute. Kind of seeing um, like a skydiver kind of deal, but you kind of feel like you're in free fall. So you just feel like there's parts of your life that are just out of control. Um, if that's you, why don't you... You stand, there's that. You don't, you're not feeling like you're doing anything well. It's just in free fall. Well done. Anyone else? Wonderful. Okay, we're just going to pray again. If you're near one of those people, just pop your hand on their back or their shoulder or something just so they know that you're, you're with them and praying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and died. <laughs> and you were that, that sacrifice that not only made a way for us, for our sins to be forgiven and us to be adopted, but thank you that you made Father's favor constantly and eternally towards us. And Father, I just want to pray, Lord, for these amazing folk that have stood, that recognize that actually they're not doing the ordinary that well. They're not doing it well. They're not using that moment to grow in favor with both God and men. And, and Father, we just want to release that. Father just want to say, it's okay. There's no condemnation. It's okay. And he loves you still, just as the Son. His love is ever towards you. Nothing's changed. His favor is still constantly towards you because it's not. His favor isn't dependent on what you do. It's dependent on what his Son has done. And so his favor is towards you. And I believe there's just that sense now that he's going to say, okay, today's the day. 
we're going to change what we do in terms of growing in favor with God and men. And actually, he's going to empower you to do the ordinary really well. He's going to give you the ability to do the ordinary in extraordinary ways. And do, in doing so, you're going you're gonna to grow in favor with him, but you're going to grow in favor with people around you. This isn't about you being lifted up, but it is about you growing in favor with people. And as you kind of stood and said, okay, I recognize I'm not doing the ordinary well. Well, Father's saying, okay, well, let's do it better together. And he's going to empower you. Not just to do it well, but to do it extraordinarily well. In extraordinary ways. He's going to give you ways to do what you do in just extraordinary ways that you've not thought of before. And actually the people around you won't have thought of before. And that's what will be so extraordinary. And I think for the guy that's that stood over the process of being very focused on growing in favor with men and less so with God... God says to you, it's okay. My favor isn't dependent on what you do. And actually, I, I just see this freedom coming. I'm just sensing the, to the guy that stood for the, for the um, growing more, in, if you like, in favor with men than, than worrying about growing in favor with God. I just, I just feel like there's a, a season coming now where actually what you're going to see is, is you're going to see some amazing things or opportunity for amazing things. And I believe, I believe God's going to give you opportunity where you're going to have to step off the cliff. There's going to be a moment coming where um, your situation, you would normally go, I'm going left because that's where the favor of men will be. And actually, there'll be a moment and you'll know it's coming. You'll know it's there where you know it's time to choose. Actually, I'm going to go where? the favor of God's going to be. And what you'll find at the end of that is you've grown in favor with men as well because you've not pandered. Um, and I just sense there's a, a, a fear that needs to be broken, a fear of man in you. And I just, I just pray over you right now in Jesus' name. I break that power of fear. I break the lies that you've believed about yourself, the lies that you, you believe that you're not good enough to do what you need to do and you just need to kind of butter everybody up. I'll break that fear off you right now in Jesus' name and declare you're a son because you're a son because you're a son and his favor is towards you, not because of what you do or don't do, but because of what Jesus has done. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. If you can sit down, then, then do. That's great. Um, but even if you didn't stand... You know, you're called to grow in favor. That's your calling. So you've got favor because you're a son and you're a daughter. But actually there's a calling on us to grow in favor. Because it's a free gift that we've been given. And as we've freely received, so we want to freely give. Um, and then we actually move on to, to a really good part. So we get favor because we, we, we are, because of what Jesus has done. We're just highly favored by God. We can grow in favor, and then you get to release favor. How cool is that? So we get to, we get to give it away. Um, and Chris Vallotton said um, in a sermon I was listening to recently, you'll never be trusted with the extraordinary until you are doing the ordinary in extraordinary ways. 
And I believe that's true. And we are favoured, as I've said, because we're a son. We are favoured because we can grow in favour. But actually, we get to release it in extraordinary ways. As we pursue the supernatural, which is just the extraordinary, actually, we want to pursue that in every area. So we just make the, 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 the extraordinary just ordinary. Wouldn't you just love that? That would be so cool. But what does release in favour look like? Um, and that is a great question. But as we consider what that looks like, I've, I've kind of thought about that. And I remember this time when Jesus read from um, Isaiah 61. And we read that in Luke. And, and this is what he read out. And this is what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So part of Jesus' mission, along with raising the dead, healing the sick, and doing all that kind of really cool stuff, was to release favor. He, did, he, he declared it. And favor, uh, the meaning of that is gracious kindness. What an amazing term. So we get to proclaim the Lord's gracious kindness, um, which I love. But his favor isn't just limited to proclamation. And I believe that's what we see packed up in that passage, what we're reading is, is what I've just told you, that is the favor that we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming a favor that says, you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be dead. You don't have to be all those things because that's what God's favor is. That's what it looks like. Um, And that's what we get to release. It's not just limited to proclaiming it. And I believe that we are those who are to release that kind of favor. We are to demonstrate Father's gracious kindness. We're to share the gospel. We're to see people come into freedom, heal the sick, see the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. That's what releasing favor is. And Jesus was a favored son. He grew in favor with both God and men. And then, as he was filled with the Spirit, he then released the favor of heaven wherever he went. And Jesus said that was his mission. When he was speaking out of Isaiah 61, he was saying, that's my mission. And then we read this in John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, the disciples, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And with that, he um, breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free, and to declare favor, which is what those things do. They declare favor. And he said, just as that was my mission, now I'm giving that mission to you. And then he gave them the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit would be on them, so they could proclaim the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead. And so Jesus was sent to proclaim and release favor, and so now are we. Now, I believe that receiving, growing, and releasing Favour is essential to us to cre- create an atmosphere of revival. And that's what I want. I want nothing less than revival. That's what I'm hungry for. And actually, I believe it is that, is that way of, of doing the ordinary well, extraordinarily well, pursuing his presence. It creates an atmosphere ready for revival. And as I've pondered all of this, I've decided that there's something about growing in favour with men that I think as a church we've overlooked. We've missed something. This isn't, I don't mean like a sucking up to um, or getting soft on sin, but that we love people really, really well with no agenda. 
Because actually, as we love people really well, it produces favour. And that favour leads to salvation. Now, I don't know if you've, you've thought about this. I told you it's a bit fresh out of the box. I'm not sure I've joined all the dots yet. But actually, I believe that growing in favour with God will allow you to see people saved that you're not seeing saved now. And I believe that you're not seeing people saved now, and I include us. You know, we're, we're getting ones and twos. You know, we're not seeing a lot. But I believe in part it's because we've not learned how growing in favour with men is connected to seeing people saved. We do the opposite. We say turn and burn, which is doing the opposite of growing in favour. You know, I don't know what the opposite of favour is. But whatever that word is, that's what we're doing. And actually, I believe as we grow in favour with men, with our communities, with the councils around us, actually that will lead to salvation. Let me explain why. Acts 2, 46. And day by day, and it was the new converts and disciples that we're talking about in Acts, were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And then the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they were doing all the good Christian stuff that we do, but we forgot the bit that said that they grew in favour with men. We're trying to skip a step and hoping that people will be added to us daily. And actually, this passage is saying that actually it's as part of that process, as we do what God's called us to do, as we love well, as we worship well, as we follow him well, and as we grow in favour with men, then many were saved and added. And I just think we've missed that. We've missed it. And so we don't want to be those attacking sinners and sin. We want to love them into the kingdom. And that's why so many people, whether, you know, whatever sort of part of life, why would I want to go to the church? I'm already unhappy. It's true. They know what's wrong with them. They don't need to come to church and you tell them what's wrong with them. They know. That's why they've come to church. They want answers. They don't want us to reconfirm what the problems are. They already know. And so we need to learn what it is to grow in favour with men so that they're not afraid to come to us. They're not saying, well, why would I want to go there? They just make me feel worse than I already do. We want to love them well and grow in favour with our communities that we're part of. And so... I ask this of us as well at King's. How well favoured are the churches that you're a part of? How well favoured are you in the communities that you're in? If you all packed home and packed up and left tomorrow, would they even notice? That's a startling question. If everybody in your church just moved to Derby or to Horsham, would your community even notice you'd gone? If the answer to that question is no, then I would suggest that we've not yet learned to grow in favour with men. You know, when you gather in your home groups, and whatever you call them, midweek, whatever that is, are you so happy and so generous and so loving and so kind that you're growing in favour with the neighbours? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And I don't mean tolerated. Yeah, I don't just mean tolerated. Oh, yeah, the wacky lot come round and blast 
guitar music out or we have to listen to Hillsong CDs with a load of people trying to keep up. <laughs> it's just Wednesday. We always go out Wednesday. That's tolerated. Are you growing in favour? In favour with them so that they might knock on the door and say, I notice there's a load of guys coming around here on a Wednesday night. I, I can't move my bed from upstairs to downstairs. Would you help? Not that you offer, but they, there's favour enough for them to come ask. Are we growing in favour with God and with men? And so I think revival breakthrough requires us to live and steward heaven's favour. Revival breakthrough requires us to know who we are as favoured sons and daughters. Revival breakthrough requires us to learn how to grow in favour with both God and with men. Revival breakthrough comes when we learn how to release and demonstrate the favour of heaven. Revival breakthrough will come when we understand that favour with our communities are an essential part to that community's salvation. This just puts a whole new spin on a social gospel for me. You know, this isn't just about doing good, it's growing in favour. And it's that what we see in that passage in Acts, where as they grew in favour with their community, so people were saved and added daily. Now we need to be in favour with God and grow in favour with that for that as well. But actually it's both. It's both. Now I don't know where you kind of feel about this. When, when, when I felt the Holy Spirit telling this to me, it was like blowing the doors off. I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? And I was kind of like really moved. And I, I, I wonder if we've got a moment in God right now where we can all respond. You know, and I, I just want to say, you know, if, if, if kind of you felt Holy Spirit going, oh my goodness, this is, this is something else. I need to grow in favour with God and with men. Then why don't you stand? I'm already stood. Um, I'll beat you all to it. Don't feel you have to in any way. Don't do it if you, if you feel like you're the only person that's sat down. That's absolutely fine. This isn't about that. It's about saying, I'm in. I'm in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want nothing less than your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, for us, we know that looks like revival. And Father, we, we, we want that. We want those who don't yet know you to come to know you. We want those who you kind of called and knew before the creation of the world to, to come to know you. And Lord God, we recognize that part of that is us learning to steward the favor of heaven, Lord, to steward the favor that you just put on us because we're your sons and daughters. But we want to we wanna learn, as Jesus did, how to grow, how we grow in favor with you and with men. Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord God. We want to grow in favor with you and we want to grow in favor with the communities that we are part of. Lord, we want to see people saved and added daily. Daily. Lord God, but we know that requires your favour and that requires the favour of the communities that we are part of. Teach us, Lord. Teach us. Let us be those that release your favour. Demonstrate heaven on earth. Demonstrate your kingdom rule and reign here on earth. Lord God, let us be the ones that are setting the captives free.
seeing the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. We want to be those that release favour. We don't just want to be nice. We don't want people just to be favourable towards us. We want to release the favour of heaven. And so, Father, as we stand before you this morning, Lord, we just say, have your way. Have your way in us. Help us. Teach us, Lord, how do we do the ordinary, extraordinarily well? We want to grow in favour with you and with men. Help us, Lord. We pray in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Sunday morning.